we are on our third week of baptism. And what I want to uh, remind you of is the first week we uh, talked about, and I hope you began to understand the reality that in baptism we celebrate the fact that God brings order to chaos in this world. So he has the power, what I told you that first week, he has the power that if we feel chaos in our lives, if our lives seem out of control, the Bible is very clear and we celebrate when we do a baptism that God has the ability and Christ has the ability to bring order to the chaos of our lives. Last week, I was our first week last week, we talked about Christ has the ability to make us clean. We talked about Jesus washing Peter's feet. We talked about the waters of the flood that made the world clean. And so we celebrate in our baptism the fact that when we give our lives to Christ, He cleans up our lives. And I don't know, maybe some of you have been carrying with you for a long, long time something that just doesn't sit right with you. If that's the truth, if that's the case, Christ has the ability to make all of that clean, to wash all of that away. This week, we're going to talk about the power that Christ has to claim us as His children. Because that's one of the big things that baptism says to us. I made it very clear on the first day that we as United Methodists and you who are in other kind of uh, faith uh, histories, denominational histories, you may go, oh, I don't think you're right on that, Tim. That's okay. I'm at least telling you what United Methodists believe about baptism. We do not believe that in baptism you are claiming Christ. That's not what we believe at all. As a matter of fact, we don't believe that you can claim Christ. But Tim, that's, that's not what I've always been taught. Scripture tells us that God claimed us. Scripture is very clear about that. If God is something that you get to claim, then that's something that you own. That's something that you possess. And that's not what Scripture says about baptism. Scripture says, it's not what Scripture says about our relationship with God. All the way from the beginning to the end of Scripture, it's very clear in Scripture that God has chosen us. And today I'm going to tell you that story. Baptism is that time when we understand that God has claimed us. Now, do you have to accept Christ? Yes, you do. Do you have to make a decision for Christ? Yes, you do. But that's different than you reaching out and taking him and bringing him to you. That's what claim means. And there is only one power in all of creation that can reach out and take something and make it their own. And that's God. I've got the image of the shepherd's crook today. Very likely this was the staff that was in Moses' hand. You know that famous staff? Moses is going to raise it above the Red Sea and he's going to part the waters. Let me tell you the story. The story goes something like this. In about 1700 B.C., 
we get the first biblical account of slavery. 1,700 years before Christ. In this account of slavery, Joseph has angered his brothers. Joseph is the son of Jacob. There are 12 boys. And Joseph has made his brothers angry, partially because he is his father's favorite son. And they sell him into slavery. So slavery is an old, old institution in the world. He is sold to the slave traders that are going through this area of the Middle East and the slave traders take him to Egypt, which is the best place because Egypt buys slaves and puts them to work. 1700 B.C. Well, God's favor rests upon Joseph and we know what happens to Joseph. We, we know in the biblical account that Joseph becomes a dreamer, that he's able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams for him. And we know that before everything is said and done, Joseph becomes the savior of his family because a famine hits the land. They come to Egypt, and in Egypt there is food. The problem with the story is that for the next 400 years, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. 400 years. We're appalled in the United States of America and are still arguing about a hundred years of slavery. 1778 is when we signed the first constitution. The Declaration of Independence was 76. 78 is when we signed the first constitution, the official constitution that had words in it like this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All people are created equal. And there was a conflict in the United States of America because there were people like Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and John Adams that said, we cannot write these words into a constitution when we continue to have slaves. And there were tremendous fights at our constitutional conventions. And it took us 100 years to the 1860s until we fought a war to end slavery. It took us another 80 years, 90 years to pass an Emancipation Proclamation where we actually said, well, no, that was the 1860s. It was the 1950s that we began to, to talk about making what we had done 100 years prior to this actually codified in all of our laws. 400 years. 400 years. That ended when God said to Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. Did you hear that? The people in Israel, or the people in Egypt, the Israelites, God said, these are my people. When in the Bible did God claim his people? I'll tell you when that happened. It was at the Tower of Babel. When he confused the nations of the world, right? He confused the language and the nations of the world were born. In that event, in Genesis 6, God said, these people are going to be mine. What people was he talking about? Well, we know that there were three boys that got off the boat, right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth after the flood. 
That was the story right before the Tower of Babel. And we know that God chose for himself the nations of the world that were going to come from the brother Shem. How do we know that? Well, because right after, in Genesis 6, right after the story of the Tower of Babel, we get the genealogy of God's people. That begins with which brother? Shem. And it goes to a descendant named Terah. And from Terah, it goes to a descendant named Abram. Abraham. Abraham is going to be the father of Isaac. And Isaac is going to be the father of Jacob. And Jacob is going to be the father of Joseph. Who is going to go into Egypt. And is going to, for 400 years, lead the Hebrew people into slavery under that nation. So, God says to Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. God claimed them. And we know what happens in this story. Moses goes back to Egypt and he says to Pharaoh, as he's holding the the staff of Aaron, by the way, a shepherd's crook, he holds the staff of Aaron up and the blood turns to water. Or the water turns to blood. And he says to Pharaoh, will you let God's people go? And Pharaoh says no. And so he holds the staff up again. And frogs swamp the land of Egypt everywhere. And Pharaoh says enough, enough, enough. All right, let's talk. But he still won't let God's people go. So he sends lice. Moses holds up the rod and lice covers everything. Now here's what's interesting about that. Water to blood, that affected everybody. Frogs were everywhere. But God said in the third plague, in this third miracle, I want you to understand who I'm at war with. He said, and so none of these lice will touch the people of Israel. And so it only touched the Egyptians. And Pharaoh wouldn't let him go. And so after lice, it was flies. And after flies, every animal got a disease. And after all the animals got diseased, he sent locusts. And you know the way that ended. Because finally, God took the firstborn that would not touch anybody that had put the blood over the house. It was at that point that God said, my people will leave. And Pharaoh said, get out. We know that Pharaoh changes his mind. And as the people of God are heading out of Egypt, they encounter the Red Sea. And Pharaoh is chasing after them with his chariots and his army. By the way, 1700 B.C., when this is happening, 1700 B.C., when they are entering into slavery, if you want to lock yourself into a mindset of the world, this is the time when King Heberabi lived. This is the time when it was the Z dynasty in China. Yes, China was a nation. 400 years later, it's going to be when the Shang dynasty comes into China. Chariots are just going to be introduced. Well, it's in the chariots of Egypt that Pharaoh puts his soldiers and they chase the Israelites all the way to the Red Sea. And we, we who grew up with these stories know 
that what God told Moses to do was to take that shepherd's crook, which is the sign of the shepherd who owns the sheep and is responsible for the sheep. You know the way the shepherd's crook works, right? The shepherd's crook is there because this end can do damage to any animal. But it's also the crook because they were mountain people. And sheep would get themselves caught in crevices on the mountain that you couldn't get down to and climb back up. And so the shepherd's crook was there so that you could grab that sheep around his legs and you could pull him back up until you could grab him again. The shepherd's crook is the symbol of what it means to say, that sheep is mine and I will protect it or I will rescue it. It's the sign of the bishop whether you are Catholic or Methodist. And so, God said to Moses, lift the staff, and we know what happens in the story. The Red Sea parts, and the people of Israel go through the middle on dry ground. And as they are on the other side, God closes the waters back up onto the Egyptians who are following them in their chariots. What you may not remember about that story, and what you may not have ever been taught is that it wasn't just Israelites that made that crossing. There were Egyptians that went with the nation of Israel. In other words, that is one of the first times where God says, I have claimed you as my people. I have heard the cries of my people. The Hebrews were not the only slaves in Egypt, and they were not the only ones in Egypt that wanted out from under Pharaoh's rule. And God said, whoever crosses this body of water, they will have acknowledged that I have claimed you as my people. Brothers and sisters, in baptism, one of the things that God is doing, and one of the blessings that we get is that we acknowledge that we are a people who belong to somebody. We have been claimed by God. And so we baptize our babies. We baptize our babies because we understand God has already claimed that child. Now, does that mean that child goes to heaven? Well, if you believe that baptism is the thing that assures you heaven, then I guess that can be your belief. But baptism is not what assures you eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and with God our Father. What assures you eternity in heaven with our God and our Savior is a heart that is surrendered and an acceptance of the blood that was shed on the cross for you and I. Baptism is the sign that God did that for us. And brothers and sisters, God did that for our children. God did that for you and I. And so in baptism, we acknowledge the claim that God has on our lives. I talk about it like a seal. And I tell you that when we baptize this baby, we have a responsibility to teach this child as much as we can so that when it comes to the point in its life, when it has to make a decision, it will open that letter. It'll break that seal 
and it'll be ready to accept Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. Baptism is the claim that God puts on. So God has the ability to bring order to the chaos of our lives. God has the ability to make us clean. Those things in our lives that we carry as a burden, those can be washed away. And it's the place that we acknowledge through the water that God has claimed us. Anybody that crosses acknowledges the claim that God has on their lives. So here's the, here's the question I have in this modern world. Because I think there are many of us that walk around and just, we aren't really sure who we belong to. It was important to me in my life. I didn't belong to anybody growing up. I was a children's home kid. It was a very important day in my life when I understood that somebody claimed me for their own. I didn't get to claim them. My mother claimed me. I was invited to the adoption. And so my mother claimed me. And I accepted that claim. The judge looked at me and said, Do you want this to happen? And I said, yes, I do. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you ever wonder who you belong to. I don't know if you're ever anxious about what's my place in the world. Can I tell you, God has already claimed you for his own. That's much different than you're saved. Do not mistake the two. Do not mistake that just because God claimed those Israelites that they were safe. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Just because my mother claimed me, just because my father claimed me, did not mean I had to live into that. It did not mean that I had to accept that. Make no mistake. God has claimed you For his own. And he wants nothing more. Than for you to respond. You see back at the Tower of Babel. What he said to the other nations of the world. When he carved out. The descendants of Shem. What he said to the other nations of the world is. This is the way. Back to me. These are my people. Come to me. Through these people. Well, we don't come to God through the people of Israel anymore. We come to God through the person that came from the people of Israel. We come to God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that was the plan of salvation. That from Israel would come the Savior of the world. And from the Savior of the world, that claim which God placed upon us in baptism... That claim that we celebrate in baptism that God placed on us is fulfilled through Jesus Christ if we will accept His claim on our lives. Order from chaos. Cleanliness from dirt. And a claim on our lives in a world where we often wonder who we belong to. Next week, come prepared because I'm either going to allow you to remember your baptism at the end of the message
In other words, if you've already been baptized, I'm going to invite you to come forward and I'll use water and I will place my, my hand on your head and I will invite you to remember your baptism. If you want to be baptized because you've never been baptized, then I will put water on my hand and I will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. There have been a couple that have said they want to be baptized. Next week's going to be a, a, a wonderful and precious week to me. Because next week we're going to talk about the fourth element of baptism. What is the fourth thing that we celebrate? Until next week, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for worship today. I thank you for the wonderful music. I thank you for the people that have gathered. I thank you for the presence of your angels this morning. And I just pray, Lord, I just pray that as we go each to our homes this week, we might feel your presence, we might ponder your word, and we might live as your people. All of this in your name. Amen. Please stand. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. I pray the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God is good all the time. and all the time. Go in peace. God bless everybody. Have a great week.